Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Judges 15 is about Samson defeats the Philistines, okay? So, verse 1. After a while, the time of wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. And he said, let me go in to my wife into her room. But her father would not permit him to go in. Her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister better than she? Please." Take her instead. Now, if that went out that way, you don't think these two sisters might get a little hostile with each other. But he thought he thoroughly hated her. In the previous chapter, he called her a heifer. And it means the same thing today as it did back then. Same thing. He called her a heifer. He was so mad because she betrayed him. So anyway, she was given to the best man at his wedding after he killed those 30 Philistines to cover his end of the wager. He made a wager with a riddle. If you can solve it, you get 30 changes of clothes from me. But she got the answer out of him, told the Philistines. So he went and killed 30 guys to steal their clothes to go cover his end of the bet. <laughs> so it's, but as harsh as this sounds, remember, we got to re- realize here that the Lord, it said the Lord was looking for an occasion against the Philistines. He's looking for something. He's getting things started. This is the Lord's will here that this is going on like this. So he kills these guys to cover his end of the wager. And he said if they would not have plowed with his heifer, meaning they got his wife to tell the answer. He says, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have found this information out. He called his wife a heifer. So no wonder the dad says, I thought you thoroughly hated her. The father here has it in his mind that they are no longer married. You're not married to my daughter anymore, which justified it to him on why he could give her away. And the reason that Samson is visiting her with a young goat is not to try to reconcile for what he had just done in chapter 14, killing those guys, but he brought this goat because they were in a type of marriage where the bride stayed with her parents and was periodically visited by the husband. That's kind of how some of the marriages went in that time. And so he brings this young goat customary for that kind of marriage that they were in. But even still, Samson was so mad at her for giving away the answer to his riddle because Samson was trying to set stack the cards his way. He was trying to set things up to get at the Philistines his way, but it backfired because she betrayed him and gave the answer away that suddenly things didn't work out the way he thought they should. You ever have that happen? You try to set things up in your life, and it's going to work like this, it's going to work like this, and boom, it backfires, and it blows up in your face, and it doesn't go that way. Well, that's why Samson was mad. But he brings this goat, because it was customary for that kind of uh, marriage they were in. But he was mad at her for giving away the riddle. 
And it kind of makes you wonder why he even cared to come bring this goat at all after what happened. I mean, why did he even come to visit this woman who had betrayed him? I believe Samson felt a bit of guilt for the anger-driven damage he did in chapter 14, only because of what he says next in verse 3, which he says in Judges 15, 3, And Samson said to them, This time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. So he he felt a little bit of maybe some blame and guilt before. Now he's saying, uh-uh, I'm not this time. I'm blameless this time. Verse 4, Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes, and he took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail, and put a torch between each pair of tails. When he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and olive groves. <laughs> Boy, that's quite a tactic there, isn't it? I'd like to see that go down. <laughs> Just trying to imagine this being played out. It, it, that, that's wild. So today people would get a bunch of gasoline and they'd pour trails all around fields and they'd light it. Well, they, they didn't have that. So he, it, this was how he did it. He tied the foxes together by their tails and set them on fire and turned them loose. Now that's a lot of scattered damage. I mean, it's kind of funny to think about, but I know you're thinking, those poor foxes. (laughs) But he's spreading this fire. This is wrathful vengeance against wicked people. Hello. Gives you a perspective there, doesn't it? Wrathful vengeance against wickedness. But Samson, apparently, he was not impressed with his wife's younger sister. He didn't want her. He wanted the wife he had before. She pleased him, it said in the previous chapter. So again, Samson blows his anger out on the Philistines. Now, I think Samson figured he'd had enough of the Philistines by now. So if you look again at verse 1, it says, All this happened in the time of wheat harvest. That's when this goes down. This was the time of year that was the best time for him to set the fields on fire because a lot of dry grain would have been out ready for gathering up, and it would catch on fire faster. They would they would hack a lot of the grain down, and they'd wrap it up, and it would be standing grains, it said. And plus, you also had the leftovers in the field. So you had these bonfires going off everywhere. It's the best time to set it on fire. There's lot, lots of dry grain for gathering. Now, this fire would have also spread not just to those fields, but it would have gone to vineyards. And it would have gone to olive groves. Samson pretty much demolished their entire agricultural progress for the entire year. So what do you think the Philistines are going to do now? Now they're going to be mad. They're going to be mad. Judges 15 and 6. Then the Philistines said, who has done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Temnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. This is a wicked people. Don't get mad at Samson. Look at the kind of people these are. These are wicked people. Again, the Philistines were wild, wicked, and when they found out it was Samson that did this, they didn't come after Samson. They retaliated by going after his wife and her father, and they killed them. They murdered them with fire, burned them. Now, if you think Samson's pretty rough, The Philistines here are really rough people, too. Now, what does it take to counter rough people? It takes other rough people. 
<laughs> I think about Hitler, and I think about Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was a tough dude, and it took a guy like Winston Churchill to go against these other guys. It, 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 you got to match. You got to match characters sometime. Here's a guy like Samson. He's got some real grit to take him down, and God has certain people conditioned with specific traits to accomplish specific tasks. And Samson is the guy established to take on the Philistines. I think of Paul. Paul was a rough and tough dude. Paul was the guy that did things. He killed Christians for a long time. He did things that nobody else wanted to do. The Lord got a hold of him and changed his heart, but but Paul kept his character. And now he went and delivered the gospel in the harshest places, still doing what most people wouldn't do. Because he just had that character. God says, I need a rough and tough, I, I need a John Wayne. And he set up Paul, saved him, go take the gospel out. And that, he's using Samson. Samson's a rough guy because you've got rough Philistines. God assigns certain people for certain tasks. Don't look at me and go, oh, I wish I could be Ray. You can't do what I do I, because I can't do what you do. God assigned you to do what you do for the character you have. So I, I, I'm just trying to set up a, a, an atmosphere around Samson on his toughness and why God would use him for this kind of, kind of work, because the Philistines are wicked, wicked people. So Judges 15 and 7, Samson said to them, since you would do a thing like this, which was burning them, I will surely take revenge on you, and after that I will see. So he attacked them hip and thigh, with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock of Etam. Now, the term hip and thigh thigh is a wrestling metaphor. Hip and thigh, when you wrestle, you're wrestling hip and thigh. It was a metaphor for a vicious attack. And so hip and thigh, or if your, your translation says leg on thigh, it indicates how Samson's attack was executed. It was a vicious wrestling style of fighting. We already saw that he tore a lion apart with his bare hands. <laughs> how do you think he did these guys? It was hip and thigh. Engage, lock, tear them down. That's what he did. He just ripped these guys up. And so we, we have an idea what this attack looked like. Now, there has probably never been anyone in human history that has ever been able to fight the way Samson did. And I was thinking about trying to imagine the way Samson must have thought probably makes a UFC champion look like Pee Wee Herman. This guy's tough. Judges 15 and 9. Now, the Philistines went up and camped in Judah and deployed themselves against Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? So they answered, We have come up to arrest Samson to do to him as he has done to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this that you have done? And he said to them, As they did to me, so I have done to them. But they said to him, We have come down to arrest you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. Then Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. So they spoke to him, saying, No, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand, but we will surely not kill you. And they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. Now it's interesting to me how when the Judeans heard about what Samson did attacking all these Philistines, they took three 
thousand men to go arrest him. <laughs> I ain't taking no chances. Three thousand guys against one. Let's go get him. Three thousand. And I really find it sad, though, the Judeans. Now, Judeans are what? They're Israelites. They're his brothers. I found it very, very sad that the Judeans would say such a thing to Samson as, do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? Don't you know this? The Philistines rule over us. This is the way it is. The reason they said that is for two reasons. Number one, they do not recognize Samson as someone who could be their deliverer out from under the Philistines. They don't recognize him. Two, they are blinded. By the status quo. This is the way things are. This is just how it is. Just deal with it. They're blinded. And they have gotten so accustomed to accepting oppression. They've been under it so long, well, this is just the way it's going to be. They've had their freedom taken away so long that their attitude has become, this is just the way it's got to be. This is how it is. Now, you've got a real problem when you've got people that are under oppression and they don't recognize their own Savior. All this is how it is. And so instead of recognizing Samson as someone they could use to help them break out of bondage, they say to him, what have you done to us? You see how far off base they are in their thinking? 3,000 guys. Samson's the only one that sees things right. He knows what he's doing. They're questioning Samson. They're agitated at him for rocking the boat when, in fact, Samson did what the Lord empowered him to do. Samson did not tear the lion apart on his own power. He didn't kill all these guys on his own power. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and gave him that ability to do that. This means the Lord's behind it. Tough to swallow, isn't it? When people hand over control to their enemy, when people hand control to oppression, when people bow their knee to evil, when they submit to the enemy's authority, then they lose their discernment. They lose the ability to determine what's right from what's wrong. What Samson was doing was right, but they jumped on him like he was doing something wrong. And so they could not determine that perhaps, maybe, what Samson had done in killing the 30 wicked Philistines was actually from the Lord, who is setting up a series of violent conflicts to eventually defeat their oppressor. They couldn't see this. But instead of seeing Samson as a new deliverer sent by God, the Judeans come to arrest him. And the Judeans are Israelites, arresting one of their own guys, Samson, who is an Israelite himself. And because they're Israelites also, Samson surrendered willfully. He did not fight the Judeans because that's his own brothers. He's not here to fight Israelites. He's here to fight Philistines. And he says, okay, just don't kill me. That's why he gave himself up easy, so easily in peace. And so the Bible specifies that he was bound with two, what kind of ropes? Old ropes? New ropes. <laughs> For those of you who have never worked on a ranch, <laughs> let me tell you something about ropes. <laughs> They're very important. Uh, I worked on... Uh, uh, the family ranch in the 80s for a long time. And we tied a lot of gates shut with ropes. And they were exposed to the elements, and, and they would be getting wet and then get dry, and the sun would bake them, and then they'd, the winter time, and then the heat would come. you got this rope going through all these extremes. Well, the rope gets old, and, and it loses its strength until one day we had a rope break, 
and the gate swung open, and all the cows got out. And that was a mess. And guess whose job it was to go through the entire ranch and replace every rope on every fence? That was my job. I had to go do that. Now, for any ranchers listening to me, why did you use ropes? Well, we didn't have enough chain, okay? We had plenty of rope. I did what Grandpa said. And I also, while I was studying about this, I found out there's an old English saying called money for rope. Money for rope, or they say money for old rope. And what that means, it's selling something of little value to make a quick buck. You take something, you try to get something quick, I'll just take this and sell it off real fast. Money for rope. And and, and it kind of means money for old rope. It's a common expression. It means rope is rather worthless. Old rope, money for old rope. Old rope is worthless. It's going to break. Now, here's money for old rope. Make a quick buck. It's not worth much. And so the Bible specifically says that Samson was bound by not just one, but two. New ropes. New ropes. This is going to be very strong. So not only did they go to arrest him with the help of 3,000 men, but they used two new ropes. They doubled it up. We're really getting serious here on his strength. They tied him up good because they don't want him attacking anybody since they considered him to be a troublemaker. Now, Judges 15 and 14 says, When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. I want you all to see that. The Spirit of the Lord enabled him to do this. Okay? God's behind it. And the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, and took it, and killed a thousand men with it. Ooh, killed a thousand guys. Verse 16, Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. Man, I'm sorry. Call it morbid curiosity. I would have liked to have seen that. That would have must have been a sight. So we went from killing 30 now to killing 1,000 men. And again, we need to understand Samson did not do this by his own power. I specifically pointed out to you the Holy Spirit, the the Spirit of the Lord, it says, enabled him to do this. My God would never. Not the God you made up. This is the God of the Bible. He holds wrath for his enemies. He really does. God orchestrated the killing of these 1,000 wicked Philistines. It's a judgment upon them. And so that's why the the, the Judeans didn't believe it. it. They didn't believe God would do... If you don't believe God would do something like this, the Judeans didn't believe it either. They need to recognize God is doing this. His hand is upon it. And that's why they arrested him instead of turning him loose on the Philistines. You would like to think if I was there, I would have turned Samson loose, go get him. But if you've given yourself over to oppression, if you have given yourself to your enemy, if you said, oh, well, I'm under oppression, this is the way it is, this is the way it's always going to be. You lose your discernment. You don't know who's good and who's bad. You can't tell. That's why they didn't turn him loose. The Lord has wrath against the willful, unrepentant sinner. God is going to have to judge it. So God will judge the wicked, so he has to. Now the Judeans, they should have turned him loose on the wicked people, the oppressive Philistines, but they just could not recognize the Lord's hand in what was going on. 
Friends, don't turn yourself over to your oppression. Don't look at your, your situation and go, well, that's just the way it's always going to be, and I, I guess that's just how it's supposed to, that's just how it is. There goes your discernment. You're not supposed to walk in that. You're supposed to walk in victory. The Lord says, I want to show you because the Lord orchestrated this. In Isaiah 54, 16, he says, Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. Interesting viewpoint on who God is. This is the Lord saying, hey, y'all, I'm the one that does this. I set this up. The Lord does the whole job from start to finish. Not only does he create the man that forges the weapon, he also creates the destroyer who wields it. Both, all the way, all the way across the board. God does this. He enables all of this. Why? Because God judges sin. He has to execute judgment upon sin. Don't say, well, that's just the way it always is. This is how it is. God's going to judge that. Look for your deliverer. And so it was that by the Spirit of the Lord's power, Samson killed 1,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey. Let's get interesting here. Show that picture of that jawbone. Oh, there he is. He's fighting with it. Um, You can see how lethal a jawbone like this would have been in battle, inflicting a lot of damage, because you can see how that would really cut into people. Now, go on to the next one. This is a closer look at a donkey's jawbone. Now, you notice both sides of the jawbone. The bones are joined together at the frontal, the front teeth. And you can take that sucker and swing it, and you can see what kind of damage this would do. This would hurt. And it, this was a, a fresh jawbone. It wasn't an old, dried-up one. We had new ropes. We got a new jawbone. Okay. They're all strong here. And I have seen that, considered the fact it is possible that Samson broke the jawbone in half at the teeth, kind of like how you break a wishbone so that he could have a weapon for each hand. Show the next picture. Now that right there, that looks like something out of the movie 300. I mean, you can see what kind of damage this guy's going to do. He, he snapped that, could have, I, we don't know, but you can see now we're doing some real damage here. Um, now y'all don't ask me to send you this picture because I don't want anybody going off trying to make a tattoo out of it or something because I, <laughs> I know it looks really cool. <laughs> Samson killed a thousand men, however he used the bone. We, we have seen, we know how lethal it can be. He killed a thousand men with that bone. And in the past, Samson fought men without a weapon. He tore the lion apart with his hands, but now he has a weapon such as this. And now he killed a thousand. Now, where it says that Samson said, heaps upon heaps, do you see that? Heaps upon heaps, he said. He was speaking about his triumph, about the piles of Philistines he had killed. Imagine 1,000 dead bodies in piles that he had just killed. But there is a Hebrew word, and I can't go guttural. I can't do that. I'm just going to say camor. The Hebrews might say chamor. I don't know. I probably demolished that. Chamor either means donkey or heap. It means donkey or heap. And so when Samson said heaps upon heaps, It could be that he said something like this, a play upon words. I have made piles out of of the Philistines. He also meant it as, I have made piles of, let me call it, worthless asses out of the Philistines.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.